Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to No credentials. Reviewing Rolling Stone 500. Greatest album. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Sound Logic Podcast. We sure are glad that you're here. Today, we're discussing album number 42, which is The Doors, coincidentally, by the band The Doors. It's always funny when you have self-titled albums because you have to say, you know, The Doors by The Doors, even though that sounds silly. That's right. What should we say? Because this is probably going to happen a bunch. Uh, uh, Today we are talking about the self-titled album by The Doors, but that sounds so uh, institutional. I don't know. And like we're not actually acknowledging that they've titled this album The Doors. (laughs) Exactly. Is it just a cop-out decision by a band? Like, That's a great well, we question. didn't want to give it a name? Like, well, how come some... Because a lot of times, a debut album would be self-titled. But then sometimes, it's not like the Beatles, which is commonly called the White Album. That was like their eighth album? Yeah. Uh, right. Fellas, for this one, we're not going to give it the title. You know, right. something like, yeah. like, oh, wow, yeah, really? Sometimes maybe it's just laziness or, you know, sometimes they're at that pinnacle of... Uh, I don't know, man. It doesn't really matter what we call this. People are going to buy it. <laughs> or there's just not a title that fits. Yeah. So far on our journey, we've had the the album you already referenced, the Beatles' uh, white album, which is actually self-titled. Um, what else have yep. we got so far? Uh, Zeppelin one i guess uh led zeppelin oh it's got to be more than that hold on give me give me a sec we've got uh slightly a, a title that includes the band's name when we had the who who's next but that's not really the same thing uh the ramones um the ramones the velvet underground and nico is like pretty darn close right. pretty darn close it's just the name uh, of the band and a person who sang with them so that's pretty much self-titled yes and then you have one called john John lennon john lennon plastic ono band right i mean i don't know it's yeah (laughs) it's just the people who did it yep yeah well coming around to the doors here is this uh an album that was familiar to you before we began yes i have this album i think Have, have you ever called into a radio station uh to win a prize uh, baseball talk radio, but no, never to a music station. <laughs> I don't think. Oh, no, well, that's not true. Um, I, I used to call into the freak back in the day, but I was also a guest host on uh, our <laughs> local college radio station too. So that was a little different. Well, they do. I mean, we listen to Q107 in Toronto and even to this day, they do probably two or three different call-in contests throughout the day. 
but it's rare that you know in the job I work and just the culture of our work. I don't really, I don't really jump on the phone to to call in for non work related stuff. But sure. when I worked landscaping, we were on the road a lot, and uh, a lot of times uh, at lunchtime they'd do a contest and we'd be sitting in the truck. I called in one time, and she hung up on me, uh, but she told me to call back, so I got to do it the next day, and I won the little contest against someone else and i won like a pack of cds and some lottery tickets that nora my wife was downtown working and was able to go pick them up and i think this cd was in that pack it was about six cds something classic rock stuff so i've only listened to it a few times Mm -hmm. uh, but i do like it and i've listened to it a whole lot in the last couple weeks so yes i'm familiar with this one what about you have you listened to this before no this is a new one to me although um this is an album that I. This is the kind of album uh, that I expected to show up on this list. Uh, a band I was slightly familiar with, um, but the album being composed of a lot of songs that I know from that band. <laughs> um, right. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's got uh, a, fami- a popular familiarity to it, even though I haven't actually sure. had the experience of listening to it before. Uh, okay, so uh, just want to dive into details? Go for it, yeah. Details, 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 details. This album was released January 4th, 1967. It was The Doors' debut album. Uh, and I'll mention again, I always find it impressive, certainly at the beginning part of this list, when there's debut albums, because it's like you nailed it the first time. Pretty cool. And a pretty cool sound for a, for a debut album. Mm-hmm. The writing credits are credited to The Doors, so all four of them, except for Alabama Song and Backdoor Man. Those are covers. This charted number two in the U.S. It did not chart in the U.K., and a number of their albums didn't chart in other countries until they were re-released later, like in the 90s or 2000s. And I think this did chart in the UK, but later, like in 2001 or something. Um, so very interesting how that works. But but yeah. it went up to number two. It only didn't reach number one because another album that we've already talked about was hanging out hard in the number one spot. And that was uh, Sgt. Pepper's by the Beatles. So, Oh, wow. If you were number two to... The greatest album of all time, according to this list. That's not too shabby. So, yeah, uh, hats off well, to you, Doors. To, you would have been number one if it wasn't for the Beatles. <laughs> it was a bold move to put any music out in 1967 with just <laughs> right <laughs> sort of avalanche of great music being made. Uh, but you you got to start somewhere, right? I guess that's true. If it's a debut album, you know you're not expecting to hit number one in the debut. You that's may right. as well release yep. it and then. Uh, it, it soared up the charts to number two. To date, sales are estimated at around 20 million copies, wow. uh, which is impressive. Um, one of the engineers, or the, the chief engineer uh, working in the studio, I thought was interesting to note, Bruce Botnick. Uh, if that name sounds familiar, we just talked about him because he was the producer for Forever Changes by Love. Oh, wow. And, and um, I will note here, and and I don't think we talked about this when we talked about Forever Changes, but I read it that those two bands uh, were, they worked together, or they were buddies, or, or they were in the same scene. So, And I think that that was a challenge for the band Love to see their kind of cohorts in that scene, The Doors, kind of just 
rocket into stardom and they that didn't happen for them um and they kind of i think kind of grew up musically or in terms of their development as bands kind of side by side so very interesting how you can see two (laughs) two bands who kind of start on the same point and one sort of disappears and one just you know becomes eternal in terms of fame um but as I was listening to Forever Changes, and of course it being very new, I heard a lot of those similarities. Not as much. I mean, The Doors, as we'll discuss, is very heavy with organ and piano. It's a huge part of their sound. And not as much yeah. of that in uh, Forever Changes. There's a lot more guitar and flamenco guitar and other things. So a big kind of big, differentiation. Big orchestration. Yeah, but, um, yes. Yeah. Sure. And I hear a lot of similarities in, in the style, that kind of little bit psychedelic, a little bit hippie sound. Um, That's right. So you can hear similarities there, but there's a, there's a tie in on the production side um, with Bruce Botnick. They released two singles to promote the album. Uh, the first was break on through to the other side and the second light my fire. And there were so many requests for this song on the radio and they kept putting it on the radio, but they were worried because it's like seven minutes long. So eventually Mm -hmm. the studio and the radio stations or whatever uh, decided to put out a radio edit, which basically just cuts out that massive instrumental kind of jam session in the middle. It just cuts that out and you you're left with a three minute track, which is a pretty sweet, uh, radio track (laughs) to be, you know, without that. Yeah. I love it with the, uh, with the, I love the instrumental in it because I'm I'm kind of into that kind of stuff. But if you're not really into that, I could see that could kind of drag out. Uh, it is just kind of like a, it's just a, a garage jam session, really. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's kind of some some notes. Any other notes on on kind of the album in general there in its production, Ben? Well, I know there's been uh, a number of moments when, because of the drug reference in certain songs. Uh, the band sort of had to fight, you know, to be, to be made, I guess, respectable in pop culture. They were often told to kind of clean up their act. Uh, okay. And, and by clean up yeah. their act, like not say, girl, we couldn't get much higher, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> you know, like we're, we're, you boys can be on this show, but please don't say higher when you're singing your song. And um, <laughs> September 17th, 1967, the Doors gave a performance of Light My Fire on the Ed Sullivan Show. Network executives asked that the word hire not be included as they sang through the song, which just mm. seems hilarious right. now. Um, they apparently decided, at least in word, that they would go along with that plan. But because they'd never actually practiced the song without that, um, Jim Morrison got kind of nervous and forgot to make the change. (laughs) (laughs) There were future plans to have them on the show after that, uh, and they all got axed. Uh, The producer of the show said, essentially, you're you're never coming back. Uh, (laughs) And and apparently they were fine with it. They're like, hey, we got got our stuff out there. People are going to buy it now. Um, Yeah. You know, we just were on the Ed Sullivan show. And uh, so I guess sometimes controversy like that can be a, a helpful part in your musical journey. But I like that story, you know, for, for so many reasons that 
you know, it wasn't that they were trying to be sneaky necessarily and get away with something on live TV. He just basically forgot or messed up. <laughs> and yet it was traumatic enough at the time for the word hire to be on uh, broadcast yeah. television in prime time. <laughs> that's, that, um, that's right. They were never allowed to come back again. <laughs> and, oh, geez. Um, I yeah. mean, you know, they were still a very young band. Yes. They were still just still promoting their first album. They had only been a band for two years. And this is the show that kind of makes you famous. I can imagine yep. you would be pretty nervous. Uh, now, it's possible that any combination of them could have been uh, intoxicated at the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> sure. I think that was part of the culture. That's not a, not a criticism, just, I think, reality. But, but yeah, that, that is a good story. And I think that kind of paints a picture of the culture, of the music, of the group, of, unfortunately, the tragic uh, story of, of Jim Morrison. Um, but Yeah, do you uh, want to boy, say a word about that? I think that's probably important to include for, for those who are not all that in, into the doors. Yeah, if you're not into the doors, they... A quick history on the Doors, very briefly. They formed in 65. Um, uh, so f- four guys. Uh, Ray Manzarek is the keyboard player and uh, a founding member. And uh, his two brothers were in a band with him. They left, and then he recruited uh, Robbie Krieger uh, and John Densmore. And Robbie Krieger had only been playing guitar for six months. <laughs> And uh, one of them also knew uh, a vocalist and uh, film and art student named Jim Morrison. And so he joined as well. So that was the band that that final lineup um, formed in 1965. And then their first album came out in 67. Between 67 and 71, they released five more albums. So in that span of four years, six albums total. Wow. And um, Jim Morrison, of course, um, issues uh, uh, with uh, mental illness and uh, substance abuse and unfortunately uh, passed away in 71, aged only 27, uh, to uh, drug overdose and substance abuse. Uh, was found there dead uh, in his room. So, uh, yeah, and kind of one of those performers where I think that even in the mainstream – uh, many people were aware of his of his uh, difficulties, and uh, he was seen in public, you know, to be be intoxicated, uh, and I think spoke publicly about it and about his experiences and his, some of his struggles too. So, um, I think that it's hard for me, as someone who knows it, even just a little bit of that story, to listen to this music, listen to his performances, which are which are exceptional and are. Uh, you know, very, very gripping, even just to hear him. But if you are to see footage as well, um, it's, it's hard to not think about that part of the story too, and how that has influenced, you know, the music and kind of how it tragically ended too. Yeah. And also, you know, it, uh, it's from a time when mental illness and struggles and things like that were still just not, just not talked about. Uh, there was, I, I think very little sympathy for people, uh, dealing with those issues. And today, although there's still a lot of stigma around it, there's a lot more, there's more resources. I think there's more sympathy and empathy. And there's, I think personally, a lot more people who, who are struggling or who are at least vocal about it. So, yeah. um, 
I think we view it differently today. Yeah, but it does color the way I hear it. I think you're right. Me too. It it does. It's hard for me to turn that part of my knowledge off when I listen to it. It it reminds me a little bit of Amy Winehouse's rehab song. Like, you know, she she dies then in the end. And um, (laughs) yeah, it's just just like a real life tragedy lived out and, and sort of preserved forever because the song keeps playing. And. Do you ever think about listening to that song when you first heard it and listening to that song after she died and how, like, I think about how when I first heard it, I kind of chuckled like it was sort of funny. Yeah. And then listening to it again after her passing, like, it's not that funny anymore because... Right. Because yep. she actually, it killed her, you know, in the end. Mm-hmm. It's, it's awful. <laughs> I, um, I think I think the, I feel the same way about what I perceive it anyway. Maybe it's reading too much in it, but it sounds like some pain in Jim Morrison's voice as he's as he's singing through some of these songs, which are often a very lament minor kind of tone too. Um, yeah, yeah. There, there's a. We'll get into the the sound, but there is a. I I hear a darkness in a lot of it. There's a there's a darker tone in some of it, and we'll get there. But yeah, so that's. Uh, yeah, I think that that's good that you brought that up. That it's good to kind of, if you're not familiar with the Doors, there's a story there, and um, this is, right. I guess, in many senses, the beginning of the story. Um, yep. I want to talk about the album cover, which is one again that I was familiar with, but didn't really know exactly. I just some things I know are album covers, and some things I just recognize as pictures. This was one that I just knew as a picture, but didn't know that it necessarily belonged to an album because there's no album title. It just says the yeah. door. So it could have just been a photo, um, yep. but it's, it's very iconic and very, uh, very dated. <laughs> like you can tell <laughs> when this yeah. was from, and I'm going to, I'm going to describe it. I'm going to make a reference to something that's very new that kind of mimics this. So we have in very stylized letters, almost a lime green or yellow color, the doors. I find that the O's look like, uh, the heads of two flathead screws. Yep. Looking as a bird's eye view. <laughs> yep, well uh, very yeah. interesting. The 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 doors, the is very small, just over the the bulbous part of the lowercase D. And that's like bubble letters, very again, very 60s psychedelic. Um okay, it's a black background and it's a color photo. On the right side, we have the three members, musicians, you know. Ray Manzarek, Robbie Krieger, and John Densmore kind of looking up. You can't really see their bodies. Um, you mostly see their faces, a bit of their clothing. And on almost the entire left side of the album is taken up by Jim Morrison's face. <laughs> it's just yeah. his face. Um, with only really only the, the right side. Um, the rest is in shadow, and that's where the rest of the band is is there. Yeah. Yeah, they're kind of emerging from his face. <laughs> it's yeah. almost overlaid. Like there's actually no, I don't think the images actually touch each other, but they're on top of what would be the left side of his face. So yeah. um, everything's a circle in culture. And sometimes we do things in pop culture where we reference something very old and it's like a callback and it's really funny. And I know that um, you've seen at least once in the theater, the, the new Frozen 2 movie with your kids. And in the, the song in the middle of that movie with um, the character Kristoff, when he sings, 
Lost in the Woods. Yeah. The video is very much, <laughs> they've got a lot of this overlapping, <laughs> like giant yep. face on the side yeah. and then him again on the side. And I think that song was intentionally very 80s, but there's some Absolutely. stylistically some things that this reminded me of that right away. <laughs> yep. Giant face. And we were just laughing out loud in the theater. My, my wife was guffawing over top of all the five-year-olds there who didn't really get it. <laughs> It is dated, but I think it fits. Uh, there's a darkness to it that kind of matches the music. Like, you know, we've talked a few times about album covers that don't necessarily mesh with what's on the album. And this, I, I think this feels appropriate to me for what the sound of the album is. Yeah. So track listing. Uh, I'd like to go through these tracks, if you don't mind. Yeah. We're back in that sweet spot of... Uh, 11 the tracks. sweet spot, 11 tracks. Late 60s, <laughs> early 70s. Uh, yeah. You know, and again, only what? Uh, like 45 minutes kind of thing? Yep. Something like that. Uh, okay, side A, break on through to the other side. Soul Kitchen. The Crystal Ship. Twentieth Century Fox. Twentieth Century Fox. She's a twentieth century fox. Alabama song. AKA Whiskey Bar. Light My Fire, seven-minute song to close out the side. And then side B is uh, Backdoor Man. I looked at you. End of the night. Take it as it comes. And the end. The end coming in at 11 minutes and 41 seconds. Did you get through listening to all of the end, Ben? <laughs> yeah, uh, just because I had it on while I was doing other work or things like that. Um, <laughs> Did, does, the, does the end make you uncomfortable? Any song that goes over five minutes makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> but, <laughs> okay, I uh, meant uh, lyrically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I you know, it has a darkness like the rest of the album and yeah i i think it's fitting it to me it, it, it the discomfort yeah. that i feel with it is a discomfort that that lingers in the back of my head through this whole thing and maybe crescendos at the end <laughs> um yeah 
do you have any favorites? I'm not sure where to start. I have a couple ideas, but they're not they're they're kind of disjointed. I, I kind of jumped in there with the end because just because it was the last one we mentioned. But but do you have any uh, any favorites or any songs that surprised you being not familiar with this album? No, I don't know that anything really jumped out as uh, as exceptional. I I guess I should play my hand now. The Doors are not a band okay. <laughs> I, the Doors are not a band that I'm drawn to, and um, while I like some of the radio hits here, and I think it works really well as an album, um, it felt familiar you know the songs that i didn't know also felt familiar too but they felt like the door okay and that i i'm not particularly enamored by so it felt like a very different kind of experience than some of the ones we've had of late uh you know albums that were completely new to me or or a bunch of songs that were completely new to me that that sounded different maybe from ones that i'd heard before um, this all flows really well and flows uh, conceptually as a whole. Um, there's some funny, quirky stuff here that was maybe a little bit unexpected. Uh, some of the wordplay on a few of the songs. 20th Century Fox, maybe in particular, is a song that, uh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of cute the way that, that that line gets thrown in there. Um, and I think I'd heard... Uh, Alabama song Whiskey Barb but it does have kind of a, yes. a, a different kind of vibe to it as well um, I really like Light My Fire actually if I had to pick one that, that's a favorite that's probably it it feels weird to pick a very um, o- overplayed probably song <laughs> as my as a favorite mm, choice yeah it's played a lot but um, but that's probably it the um but again, like I mentioned as we were getting started here, this is what I expected to see on a on an album on this list. Uh, something that right. just feels good, like uh, some popularity, well-constructed, um, significant sounds, inspirational to others. Uh, you know, it checks all the boxes. Uh, I, I guess I, I finish it off, though, feeling like, eh, just not for me. And that's a different kind of feeling than when we tackled uh, Jimi Hendrix experience. And I felt that way where I was like, yeah, this is what I was expecting. But I also felt like, oh, and it's amazing. This I I can appreciate its brilliance and greatness, but, you know, just not quite my thing. Um, What about you? What are the songs that stand out for you? And and, and do you feel some similar feelings to me or... um, uh, do you really get wrapped up in this music and, and savor it? Yeah, in fact, I'm really upset by the way you feel about it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> no, the contrary. In fact, I, I appreciate your honesty about it. Um, and I, that's one thing I like about our conversations that there's really no you know there's no animosity it's just kind of how we feel um i the doors are a band that i have always enjoyed but never really studied yeah Uh, something that when it came on the radio i went oh man i really like that but i've never really done a dive into their music and and i think i probably will uh because uh, as i was listening for this i uh uh i really like um riders on the storm Mm -hmm. uh and I was like, 
oh, I want to listen to that. What album's that on? That's on LA Woman, which is their last album. So I listened to some of that and I was like, ooh, I like some of this too. So I am going to get into them. Uh, this is, I like the 60s sound. I, I like prog rock. Um, uh, over the years, I've, I've gotten into bands like, of course, we've talked about Rush. Uh, yes, Genesis I enjoy. I, I need to get into more Genesis. Uh, so I'm into prog rock and I like that sound and I can turn on you know again like a seven minute light my fire jam and just kind of close my eyes and i really enjoy that i like that a lot of this album is very quirky um, yeah i think you said it well it, there's yeah. some weird stuff there's some almost kind of cute cute clever stuff too and there's some really dark stuff um which is difficult at times and it's not always what i want to listen to lyrically but i also really appreciate bands that tell it like it is uh, mm-hmm. our lives are are full of every aspect of the human experience and to ignore any one of them i think is to ignore who we are as people and as a society and i would prefer to listen to this that talks about a little bit everything even though sometimes i feel like it's more on the dark side but there are songs that aren't negative and aren't dark than a, a band that doesn't address it at all ever or an album that is just happy sugar-coated bubblegum the whole time it's like well that's nice and it feels good but it's not realistic and that's not our lives 24 7 right um we have to acknowledge all the parts i think to be able to process them properly and deal with the more negative things probably the things that we don't really enjoy but the things that we have to deal with and if we're able to process them and move on we're able to enjoy the more positive parts of our lives better. So yeah, I'm okay with going there sometimes. And this is an album where you can go there if you need to. Yep. I think, I think we had similar kind of sense when we tackled Nirvana's nevermind, like some stuff that's not always comfortable to to engage there, but, but important that it's bringing it to us to the surface. Um, So I, I, I definitely empathize with that. And, Again, I think um, I, I appreciate that about this. I, I think it is really a tonal disconnect for me, not necessarily because this isn't something that I uh, don't understand why people like it. Um, you know, that's, ex- that's been an experience sometimes along this journey too, where I'm like, really? This is, <laughs> this is great? I totally see the greatness here. Uh, just a sure. personal... Sure, it's just not your thing. Not my thing, yeah. Right. Um, and I don't, yeah. I don't know and, exactly and that I can fair. put my, my finger on what it is. Um, I was listening to it this week, getting ready, and our, our youngest, who's three, said, why are you playing Halloween music right now? And I thought, oh, wow, there's like a, <laughs> something about this music sounds like what we think of as spooky in in yeah, pop, in pop culture. The, that organ, it must have been, yeah. you must have been listening to the beginning of Whisk, Whiskey Bar. It was that one. It was it wasn't it wasn't whiskey bar because that one does have a kind of oh, okay. more upbeat sound. I think he just like <laughs> hears that organ and a minor key and sort of thinks like, oh yeah, that's kind of haunted yep. house music. Um sure. And I, I, I don't know, maybe that's part of my uh, disconnect or something too that that some of the sounds on this album um, feel, I don't know, 
I feel like any describing word I have is going to sound negative here in a way that I don't want it to. <laughs> Dated is the wrong word. I don't know. It just, just not. It doesn't mesh with with what I long for in music, and uh, I feel weird saying that. But anyway, so that's kind of how I feel about the album and the door sound in general. Uh, and I do like it, and I really, really enjoy listening to this. And as uh, we've been preparing over the last few weeks, and we took a little bit of break off, so that gave me uh, even a little more time to listen. I've been listening to some of the other upcoming albums as well, but I kept coming back to this one because it's one of the ones I just enjoyed more. Oh, um, interesting. And uh, it, it's fun. It's just a lot of fun for me. I love the musicianship. So... um this is a cool. I want to talk about the makeup of the band a little bit because you've got uh, Raymond Zarek on keyboards and piano, most like a lot of keyboards, organ and other keyboards, uh, Fender, Rhodes as well. Uh, Robbie Krieger on gu- electric guitar, usually electric guitar. John Densmore on drums, and Jim Morrison on vocals. I think only vocals. So you oh, notice something yeah. missing in that lineup. There's no bass player. There yeah. were a couple tracks where one of them added some bass. And I don't know if they sometimes toured with a bassist, mm-hmm. but the composition of the band doesn't have it. Uh, Rayman Zarek sometimes would play two different keyboards at the same time. And with the left hand, he would be playing one, which would have maybe a heavier bass sound to it, uh, which yeah. is really, really neat. You kind of hear that on the very first track, break on through to the other side. I think of as having an opening bass line, but it's not an actual bass guitar making that do 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 you know that like is a recurring theme through the yeah. whole song that I think I just always absolutely with a bass guitar there, but it's not. Um, yeah, interesting. That That's same kind great, of drone in Light My Fire yeah. through the whole instrumental section of Light My Fire. Do 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 do. That's just that's just the the left hand. The whole time playing the bass notes there's no wow. there's no bass there it's really cool um and in whiskey bar at the beginning alabama song uh i had to look it up because i could swear that that was a tuba but it's him on a on an or on a synthesizer with that very kind of scratchy sound that sounds like a tuba you know it's very um it's it's just a really neat sound um I want to talk about some of these tracks and, and and I wanted to mention the makeup of the band because Break On Through to the Other Side, I think, is one of the best opening tracks to an album we have ever heard. And I'm going to explain why. Um, I think that it does so many things well. And one of the best things it does, this is, okay, this is the band's first album. It mm-hmm. introduces every member of the band all at once, uh... one at a time. Okay, huh. so the first two bars are John Densimore playing up. Uh, I read that he was into the, the bossa nova craze that was coming up from Brazil through the 60s. So he plays a bossa nova beat. So he, instead of the claves, he's using um, a rim shot on the snare. Okay. And so you get two bars of that. Then you get two bars of the organ. Then you get the guitar riff. And then you get the vocal. And then you get the vocal. So so you get in, in eight bars, each member introduces themselves one at a time. Here's the band, and then boom, we're right in. And those are the four guys. Like, that's it. The whole album. And they each have a very signature sound. 
I think that uh, Ray Manzarek is really the musical leader of the band. His performances and I think his instrument really drives the sound of the band, at least on this album, and I think throughout most of their career. Although I'm kind of speaking maybe out of turn because I haven't studied the rest of their career. But on this album, like he's the one who takes the lead. But I love that everybody gets a moment right at the beginning. And it's not drawn out. It's short. Like I said, two bars each. Boom. And I love it. I love the way that they introduce themselves. And I think that it's whether I got to assume it was intentional. It's a great track. It's a catchy track. It's short. It's two and a half minutes long. (laughs) But it doesn't feel like a short song because it does all the things for me that I want uh, a radio single to do. So I love Break On Through to the other side. And it jumps it jumps out the gate too, I think, especially in an oh, era yeah. where you're letting the record needle touch. Uh, you know, it's sort of, yep. I'm imagining oh, it leaps off uh, that first sort of, I can, you know, for those hearing this for the first time when they sort of push play or... Uh, you know, turn the turntable on. Drop the needle. It is a really something that grabs you right out of the box. In addition to that, oh yeah, lineup uh, kind of geniusness there. <laughs> then we go into uh, uh, Soul Kitchen, which is that very, uh, very '60s, very hippie sound to me, with that high end of of the kind of Hammond organ. Ding 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 ding. And the bending guitar, that to me is very uh, tropey. I mean, at the time it wouldn't have be, been, but now it's like okay, like this is very cheesy '60s stuff. But like it's, they're the ones who uh, pioneered it, and I think that's almost that kind of you know that haunted house carnival thing we were talking about. Mm-hmm. But I I just dig that so much, um, and I love again that that's kind of just the the players there. Uh, Alabama song Whiskey Bar was taken from uh, a European play from the 20s. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Which is really interesting. Yeah. And Backdoor Man is a cover of a song uh, by blues artist Willie Dixon from the 40s. Um, you know, so Backdoor Man, I think, has a few different connotations. I think it's it's kind of like the the man on the side in this uh you know, coming into the to the back of the house, and certainly in the context it was written. Uh, so again, some of that I think he touches on a few just some different sides of relationships on this album, and, and some some different things there. Um, the third track, the Crystal Ship, um, it kind of my eyebrows kind of raised when I heard you know that first lyric before you before you drift into unconsciousness. I'd like to steal another kiss, and I thought. Well, that sounds a little... <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. And I was listening to it, and my son was sitting across the room, and he heard, before you drift into unconsciousness, he kind of looks at me with a sideways glance. I'd like to steal another kiss. He was like, what are you listening to? <laughs> like, that sounds this is inappropriate. <laughs> you know, like, it's kind of funny, but yeah, it is uh, kind of... Well, well played. <laughs> it could be... On one hand, it could be romantic. On the other hand, it could be a little, you know, a little suggestive that it's, yeah. it's not a, a healthy kind of scene there. I think depending on the setting or your frame of mind could be taken either way. Um, I loved, again, that play on words, the 20th Century Fox. I actually had to research that because I thought, wait, which came first? The 
the film company or this song (laughs) but the company was was founded like back in the 20s or 30s so i love that and you know fox would have been such a such a trendy word to call a a babe back then i listened we talked about the end i listened to that a bunch of times because i wanted to kind of get the um the feel of it. it it's dark you know it's about it's about the murderer uh the murderer you know walks down the hall like that's the beginning of it it's kind of the story and it's kind of rambling too you know it's it's very interesting um so that's uh that's some specific things on, on the tracks um so a good friend of ours chris clements uh two-time guest of the show uh, he's been on for some bob dylan albums i i roomed with chris in college and chris was a big fan of the band fish and we were listening to the doors once and we were talking about the end and he mentioned that fish does a cover of the end, but instead of saying, um, mother, I want to blank you, uh, they've changed the lyrics there to, uh, things like I, I want to, I want to borrow the car and I want to cook you breakfast and I want to, uh, you know, <laughs> send you flowers and all these <laughs> really nice things instead of uh, what he actually wants to wants to do <laughs> in the song. Yeah, which is pretty great. It was in like a jam medley that they did, so you couldn't just search it. Fish playing the end because they never actually had a track called that. And Fish has released like five bajillion live albums. Like every time they play a show, it becomes an album kind of thing. So they've done like. A lot of original material and a lot of uh, uh, covers as well. So, well, that's me on uh, the doors. The doors. I feel like I kind of uh, stole the mic for about twenty minutes there. Um, but no, but I okay. but I think all that to say, I enjoyed the general feel of this, and there are a lot of really specific little things that I liked as well. And I, I, again, I know I've said this, I love yeah. the way the band introduces themselves and really sticks to those, uh, I'll call them musical personas throughout the album as they really, I'm not saying they didn't evolve as a band throughout their career, but they really set the tone here as to what each musician is like and what their personality is musically. And I really like that. And I think that, yeah. There are some famous piano players throughout rock and roll history, but there's only a few bands that had really well-known keyboard players, you know, that you could name by name. I, you know, Ray Manzarek is one that comes to mind right away. I think Richard Wright of Pink Floyd and the organ, such a huge part of the Pink Floyd sound. Uh, Tony Banks of Genesis, again, another prog rock band. And I can't think of a whole lot of, you know, there are other bands that had organs or had keyboard players or had piano in their sound but there wasn't all there might have been you know like in van halen sometimes you know eddie van halen would play the synth and in other bands you might have somebody play a piano part now and then but you know for the studio for live you just have a session musician come in that the piano player is actually part of the band i guess i guess super tramp um rick davies but really he's playing the piano um not as much organ so yeah, really, really neat to have uh, uh, an right. organ, uh, mostly organ and other sounds as the the lead instrument in many of these songs. And I think that's one of the things that makes them stand out. Yeah, I like that. 
You're making me think that maybe I was a bit too hard on the. <laughs> no, actually, I mean, this is going to be a weird one for me to to re rank. Okay, uh, that's all right because I I actually think this is a brilliant album. It's just not one that yep. I love, and uh, those are the hardest ones because <laughs> you know I I don't know how to move something when it's not something I really want to be consuming myself but again uh, yeah again i've said this a couple of times now i really think it's good well i you um, know i'll uh i'll yeah. echo that and say that you know i got to hear you go absolutely gaga for marvin Gaye's what's going on and i really appreciated that album i enjoyed listening to it but it's not one that i've gone back to it's not one that just really grabbed me but i know yep. for you it just kind of changed your life and was one that just you just absolutely fell in love with and that's okay you know like we, we all have that or there, and there's different things yeah, musically yeah. that really kind of uh stimulate me that i go oh i really like that and you know so if that's that certain thing whatever it is if it's in the music it's going to be one that i come back to and this is one that i really i really really enjoyed and i already knew i liked the doors sound but had never really invested even this album, which I have, like I said, I've only listened to it a few times. Um, I'm definitely going to listen to it a lot more. I'll just say how appreciative I am to have some familiarity here okay. on an album. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> yeah. it's been a little yeah. while since we've had an album where we've been like, oh, okay, yeah, this is stuff that I've known for a while and and, uh, and appreciated sure. for a while. Um, you know, just looking back through uh you know, maybe the closest we get is "Please Please Me," and that and that's neither of our favorite no. Beatles album, right? Uh, it's really all the way back to Hotel California, half a dozen albums ago, right. where we get songs that you know we kind of grew up with in a sense. Mm -hmm. um, so it was nice to have a Doors album here that I didn't know about, but had some something familiar on right. it, and um, yeah, that's been good. Cool. Now I got to pick a song. <laughs> Are you going to pick Light My Fire? I know you said that was kind of your favorite. I think so. Yeah. Um, unless you want it, and I can go with no, another you, you one. No, you take that. I, I think the opening track, just the way that you've talked through that one, uh, deserves to be here, too. I'm not telling you what to pick, but if you want Light My Fire, I'll pick Break My Through <laughs> to the other side. <laughs> well, I think we should go with those two, and there are so many other really okay. neat songs in this album that I really like. I think that's the one I would pick, Break On Through. Like I said, it just it just okay. smacks you in the face. And, and, I, and I really like Light My Fire, and I really like that there's a long instrumental because as much as they did a lot of kind of catchy, concise songs – that was really a part of that scene as well, that musician scene. There were so many musicians at that time and that kind of jam scene, the San Francisco scene. Um, I like that they included that in there because a lot of it is just kind of them just kind of noodling, just playing around. And uh, they kept that. Yeah. I think that's the kind of thing that often gets cut. Oh, that was really good guys. We're going to cut down to, you know, just, you know, 20 seconds of that um, to make it a little more consumer friendly. This is like, nah, we're leaving it all in. So yeah, perfect. Break on through and light my fire. Oh, and I want to mention one more thing. It's hard for me to listen to light my fire without thinking of that scene in Castaway when Tom Hanks finally lights his fire and has this 
big bonfire on the beach and start singing in a ridiculous <laughs> way. I don't know, starting to break down a bit too, but also very excited that he has fire, sings like my fire. They said it couldn't get any higher. <laughs> you know, like it's just, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty great. So thanks Tom Hanks for, <laughs> for, uh, oh, spoiling and enhancing that song at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to answer this question. Is this album still relevant? Because when I listen to the sounds, the sounds to me, as much as I've said how much I really love it, the sound is, that organ sound is dated. Like, you don't hear that a whole, there are a few bands doing it a bit. I think some of the, some of the kind of, there were some, I think of bands like Wolf Mother, you know, in the mid 2000s, there were some bands kind of bringing that big orchestral rock sound back a little bit with some organ. Yeah. Or even a, a band we talked about, uh, uh, Greta Van Fleet, the kind of Zeppelin sound alike that's been popular in the last couple of years. You might hear a bit of that. Oh, Zeppelin, another, oh, we talked about organ players, John Paul Jones, bassist, but playing organ in a lot of tracks. Um, in fact, in their later albums, almost exclusively. I think the songs are relevant. I think the popularity of the songs, you know, keeps them relevant. I think some of the yeah. sounds are not, and and I it pains me to say that, but I think just it's a sound that's kind of stuck there. But it's a sound that I think a lot of people will still like, but just not necessarily emulate in that way right now. Is that does that make sense? Is that fair to say? I think so. And while we haven't gotten to this uh, part of it yet, um, the album ha- is filled with songs that are still covered today. Um, by lots of different bands, you know, all the way up to sort of uh, just after these songs came out. Um, if you search for uh, Soul Kitchen, Light My Fire, um, Break On Through on Spotify, you will get hundreds and hundreds of results for these, okay. these songs that people feel are brilliant. And when they redo them um, – they still sound really good, and and sometimes I, yeah. I would say maybe because I don't resonate as much with the sound, uh, they sound even better. And so, so I guess when I think about relevancy in terms of like the artwork that is in the composition of these songs, um, it is extremely relevant because there's there's something timeless about. The song structure, the lyrics, the tone, the tempo, that even if the sort of instrumentation sounds a little bit weird to our modern ears 50 plus years later, um, it's still compelling and makes us want to engage with it uh, and for artists to re-record it in, in, their own, in their own take. So I guess I would say dated yes, relevant yes, um, which has happened a few times <laughs> uh, along the way yeah. here. Yep. Yeah. This album comes in at number 42. Yeah. How do you feel about that position 
Or on at the least list. one higher. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep. Phrase we haven't used too often of late, but I think um, <laughs> I could see this as sort of a top 20 album um, because of how well yeah. it, it is composed and put together and thought through. And um, the thing that sort of holds me back a little bit is my own disconnect, I guess, with the sound. But it's sure. really, really good. And so I'm actually a little bit surprised it's this far down the list. Um, but but maybe it is that the, the, the sound, the dated sound, you know, ends up not holding up as well as some of the others that come before it. Um, but, you know, having said that, we've got some really funky stuff. Uh, you know, Velvet Underground and Love would be two that come to mind very quickly as like quirky psychedelic 60s albums that are ahead of it on the list sure yeah and less popular too <laughs> uh so i don't know i i could i could nudge it up i could see it i guess i have some surprise that it's here and not higher yeah i i could see it a little higher i think there's some Albums ahead of it that are kind of like, it's almost like the music industry or the critics saying like, oh man, this album was just so many people loved it and it was so influential and like, oh, it's, you know, it's almost like it's like this, this secret album that make like forever changes is like this secret album and the, the Velvet Underground, like, oh man, it inspired so many bands to start out that those are the ones that are, you know, the best um, and not yeah. necessarily the ones that like sold 20 million copies and everybody, everybody knows light my fire. Everybody knows break on through like everybody's heard that stuff, yep. you know, um, anybody over the age of 30, let's say you've all heard that a billion times. So mm -hmm. it is surprising. I was kind of like, Oh yeah, that I got to, I was like, Oh yeah, the doors. That's right. We haven't had the doors yet. And it's kind of one of those bands that you expect are in the top 20 or 30. And here they are at 42. Um, yeah. And then listening to it going, yeah, this is like, this is good. This is good. And it's memorable and it's influential and it's groundbreaking and it's successful and popular. It's got all the signs of an album. Like you said, this is an album I thought I, w I would be hearing an album like this in the top 20 or 30. So, yeah, I'd put it higher exactly where and what albums I would bump. <laughs> That that part's getting harder at this I'm point. Not too sure, <laughs> yeah. But um, we talked about maybe some of the compilation albums and maybe some of the ones that were you know kind of those hidden gems that were good and influential, but maybe not as popular. Like maybe this should be up there. But if you said this was top thirty, no problem. Top twenty, oh, I think that might be pushing it a little bit. But I mean. If someone can make a good argument, you know, for any of the the Bob Dylan albums in the top twenty, uh, then I I could make just as good an argument. I think for the Doors to be there. Um, <laughs> well said. You know, I, I'm not saying that those albums don't belong there, but if there are good reasons for that, then there's got to be good reasons for this to be there too, yeah. because also sonically it's really really well done. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> it's a Tom Hanks tie-in for you. Ben, you mentioned that that many bands have covered these songs. Uh, did you have Do you have something in mind, or yeah. or something you've listened to? Yeah, so it's been fun this week to um, 
to realize some of the rabbit trails you can follow with some of these here. I mentioned three songs. Yeah. I'll give an example for each. Um, okay, so we've got um, Stevie Wonder in uh, 1969, I believe. Just a couple years after this comes out, does a cover of Light My Fire. It's brilliant. And like, you know, kind of scrubs all the darkness <laughs> off of the Doors version. And uh, okay. <laughs> sort of Stevie's super upbeat pop sound even though it's in a minor key um it's really good uh then i found um a cover of break on through by a band called me without you um who were signed to tooth and nail records back when we were in high school i think yeah that's that's a familiar name when i initially got into them I, i actually saw them perform live a couple of times uh they were sort of dark punk metal at times um and one of their gimmicks, at least way back in the day, this is now 15 years ago, I guess, was that they, they uh, their lead singer, who didn't play an instrument, would have uh, piles of flowers around the stage, and he would uh, make bouquets while he was singing, and then sort of tear them apart, and it got to, like emotionally <laughs> tense parts, and throw them into the audience. It was, oh, it was pretty, wow. pretty powerful as a college student to experience experience something like edgy like that but they've got a cover of break on through on one of their more recent albums that i wasn't familiar with but okay you know got to experience that and then finally um an artist that we've got coming up here in a few albums patty smith has an album just of covers in 2007 she came out with an album called 12 uh which is interesting because it actually has 13 covers on it um but 13 covers of a whole bunch of the bands on this list um it's got songs like <laughs> are you are you experienced uh give me shelter uh within you without you uh the boy in the bubble and smells like teen spirit soul kitchen is on there as well so um, okay if you like patty smith or if you've maybe if you've been starting to listen to her horses album and haven't quite put your finger on what it is that makes her so great hearing her do renditions of these very popular songs is really fascinating and and kind of quirky and cool. kind of interesting too so um i'd encourage everyone really to pull up your spotify app and and go check out patty smith's 12 album uh for 13 covers of cool. songs that everybody already knows <laughs> <laughs> great yeah Those those are great suggestions to listen to. Yeah, uh, full disclosure, I knew about none of those before we got to this album. Right. It's been a fun, I think, addition to this uh, uh, review process to be thinking about covers and and when I don't know, I need to to go in search of some. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what we do as musicians and music fans is we, we we take someone else's art and we... Know, pay tribute to it by yeah. replaying it just performing it again or, or putting our own spin on it and and i like that yeah um that's cool and, and, I, think and we can, I think now more than ever before it's really easy to to draw the lines and make those connections and figure that out um music is at our oh yeah for sure essentially for free yes and uh you know there's lots of different ways still to support the artist but you sure can get into all kinds of different deep dives um in a very short period of time so we'd like to talk about uh if the doors have 
any other albums on this list. And they have two more albums. Uh, L.A. Woman comes in at 364. And Strange Days at number 409. So in another eight years, we can talk about The Doors again. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thanks for diving into uh, The Doors album with me, Ben. I know that was a new one for you. And uh, I really enjoyed talking about it with you. Well, thanks for bringing some of your passion. I think hearing some of the things you had to say about it makes me want to go back and and listen a couple times more. I was sort of thinking as we were approaching this recording time, yeah, it's, I'm glad to have listened to this. Probably not one I'll go back to, but, but hearing some of your enthusiasm makes me wonder if now I need to give it another chance and, and, and have another <laughs> listen. Uh, you know, maybe that's great. I'm glad that could rub off on you a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, put it, yeah. put, you know, uh, some great tracks to put on your Halloween playlist. That's right. <laughs> We've had this experience with uh, some right of our special with- guests too, right? Where hearing their enthusiasm has made us both uh, want to do that. It doesn't often oh, happen yeah. when one, one of us does that, but, but uh, I, I appreciate your words tonight and looking forward to Maybe doing a bit more of a dive. Well, thank you. Yep. Well, if you want to hear some more enthusiasm about an album from me, you'll want to <laughs> tune in next week because this is a moment that we've been waiting for, or at least I have, for 42 albums. We finally discuss. Is there another Beatles album? Uh, no. <laughs> nope. Um, album number 43, finally. Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. And oh I got to tell you, I can't wait to talk about this album. Um, we have a really a longtime friend of ours who's going to join us. And we might have some special things uh, releasing in the next week for you. And uh, uh-huh. I'm just really, really pumped to talk about the album, how much I love it, my history with it. And have a little bit of discussion as to why in the world it's way down at 43. (laughs) So if you are also someone who is frustrated by this being at 43 or you have some memories, please uh, go to our SoundLogic page on Anchor. Go to anchor.com and you can find us there and you can leave a voice message. Uh, There's still some time to do that. Uh, in the next week, leave a voice message, and we'd be happy to play your thoughts uh, either on our review or, you know, we'll release it as a special episode, as we would like to do before it comes out. And we would love to hear what you have to say about Dark Side of the Moon. Absolutely. Until next time, Ben, thank you for spending some time with me, and thank you at home for joining us, and we will talk to you next time on the SoundLogic Podcast. Always a pleasure. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.